We have the ability to define success. It's all about their vision and then making sure you align their vision with their work ethic. I wanted to be the hero, man. I wanted to save kids. That was my job. That's what I was going to do. This is SB Live's The Prep Slab with TJ Cotterell, the podcast where you will hear authentic conversations about how things get done in high school athletics. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit scorebooklive.com slash Washington to access all the Prep Slab podcasts as well as statewide high school sports news, features, photos, highlights, and more. Well, I'm excited to welcome Colin Henderson to the Prep Slab. Colin is the CEO of Master Your Mindset, which offers tools to elevate performance through mindset training. He's also a former Washington State University football and baseball player. He threw passes, he caught them, returned punts, he batted 321, we tried for the Wazoo baseball team, which included a game-winning three RBI double against Arizona, a day when Colin went four for four. But before that, Colin earned nine varsity letters across football, basketball, and baseball, earning the News Tribune's All-Area Player of the Year in baseball as well. Uh, so Colin, really excited to have you. Hey, TJ, I'm impressed. You, you dug deep into the archives. <laughs> yeah, you know, a, a journalism awesome. degree was not wasted for nothing. Oh, you know. man. Can, can you tell us about that, that day against Arizona, though, going four for four and game-winning RBI? Yeah, that was a great, a great experience. So I, I remember waking up that morning just feeling sick. So we, we beat Arizona on Friday. We lost to them on Saturday. So whoever won game three was going to win that, uh, that match and, and that series. So I remember just feeling sick. And uh, kind of during warm-ups, I was trying to decide, like, do I have enough energy to actually play? And I just remember um, I had my uh, tape on my wrist and I, I wrote down some affirmations on like, just stay, just compete and try. I have no idea what I wrote. Down. I had this like three little things I would just read to myself to give me the energy to keep playing. And, uh, and it's interesting, like, you know, when you're when you're kind of sick and not feeling right, like you don't worry about things that are just like are not, not, not going to serve. You have to give all your energy to be present, to be focused. So I had four hits and it was the ninth inning and we're losing and there's like two outs and there's there's guys on base. And I remember just hitting that that double scoring all three runs and man, it just felt felt awesome. Well, I think that seems to tie in exactly what we're hoping to talk to you about today. Just the awesome perspective that you have on this topic on, on mindset training, because the first thing I wanted to ask you is what motivated you to get into the field you're in now where you've written five books, you've spoken in front of Fortune 500 companies, you have your own podcast, the Master Your Mindset podcast, and you offer mental conditioning coaching for programs across the country. So what motivated you to seek this after the playing career that you had? The reason why I'm in this position is because I wasn't tough mentally. I wasn't present. I was always anxious. I, I hid this lie of, of perfection where I was seeking validation from the outcome. But the next series against Stanford, you know, my average went to like 311. And then I remember calculating if I go just one for seven, my average is going to be above 300. I went 0 for 7 during that series with a few walks. So my average that season dropped below 300, I guess, uh, for the whole year. And because I was, I wasn't having my my mind trained to, you know, to be present, to be grateful, to to be of service. So I, I remember just struggling a whole bunch. And part of my my journey was, man, I would work really hard physically. I would lift weights in the weight room. I would catch extra passes. I'd hit, you know, in baseball, extra extra hacks in the batting cages. But um, TJ, you can train three things. You can train your body. You can train your craft. You can train your your mindset, your mind. And I would train the first two, lift weights. I would train physically. I would train my, my craft and my skills. But nowhere did I have any tools, strategies, 
on how to, you know, to master self-talk, to master self-awareness, to practice mindfulness, to visualize things that I wanted, I would always perform to not fail. So you can perform to not fail. You can play, I'm, I'm going to try to win. I'm going to try to be my uh, best. So in, in, in business and sales, you know, I, I, after grad school and college, I kind of, you know, sales is just like sports. There's an outcome. There's a winner. There's a loser. You have your revenues, you know, posted every week, you know, who's going on the war trips. And I just kind of would just be up and down. But when I, I, I changed companies one year and I had this sales trainer who was like a mindset coach. He was like number one every year. And he's like calling sales psychology beats sales strategy. Here's all these books on business, but here's all these books on the power of the mind. Master yourself, you know, master your thoughts and and how you see the world and goal setting and and, and how to visualize and like your life's gonna change. So I just took all this information and I got frustrated, TJ, in that moment. Because I saw a transformation. I was setting sales records and I was thinking to myself, why is this stuff not taught in schools? Why is this stuff not taught on board? Why was I, you know, playing at Washington State and we had some some psychs like PhDs on staff that were nice, nice guys, but I just didn't connect. Like I just didn't I didn't ask for help. I was too, you know, macho male athlete to to get vulnerable and ask for help. And I just got like obsessed, like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn these tools. I'm gonna just commit my life to understanding and read the books, listen to the podcast, do do the courses, do the trainings, and and just give this stuff to everyone. Like everyone needs access to, to these tools. So luckily enough, I've been blessed to, you know, write some books that that the people who read them like them to be requested to speak and to mentor and to coach. So I like to say, man, I retired in this career because this this is not work. I love how you talked about how how can we relate this back to these programs? Right? How how come this is not talked about more? How come we have this stigma where it's where we have to be too macho to ask for this help and mindset training? Because you talked about how you've gone through you went through so much so much of that yourself. Um, I'm curious, based on, if you think back on on your own athletic experience, and how we can incorporate this more into the athletic realm. Uh, think more back onto your experiences at Pialp High School um, back when you were at Wazoo. Thinking of that and what you know now of what high school programs are doing today and what coaches, athletic directors, and athletes, um, how they're handling this, how do you see they're being served in the area of mindset training? In high school, it's like it's non-existent. I mean, if you would survey every every high school coach in the country, 1% maybe is doing something just because either budget or time or they don't have the resources or they don't know who to ask. But But we're seeing with COVID – the numbers are startling. The research, what they're showing, they did surveys, two out of three high school athletes were depressed and anxious because sports were canceled, delayed. So the wording I'm saying during this period of even beyond COVID, TJ, if you're not having some type of a program to talk about mental and emotional wellness, you're being negligent. You are literally being negligent if you're not providing something of bringing an expert, bringing a counselor, bringing a, a mental coach, bring in somebody to just give your student athletes just some language to identify their inner world and just give some you know daily drills. You don't it doesn't need to take hours. Even if we just teach our kids, hey, the bigger the moment, the bigger the breath. Can you find your breath when you feel stressed out and worry? Um, can you let's have a game plan for your inner dialogue and your self-talk let's have a game plan let's write down three affirmations you're going to say to yourself when there's time in between each play tj did you know that the average play in football is six seconds 
in a three-hour football game, there's only 11 minutes of play. There's two hours and 49 minutes of space where our athletes can think themselves into failure. So you train all your practice for those six seconds. You train the weight room for those six seconds. But that 35 seconds in between each play, you have no training. To me, that just doesn't make sense. So if I were a coach listening to this, um, it's important for you to get coached up on your own. Like, how are you managing your stress? How are you managing your mind? How are you managing grit and, you know, learning from, from obstacles, you know, to, to say these five words, I'm not defined by this, you know, and, and to, to be present and to grow and to, you know, have some, some tools for yourself and then incorporate whether it's like one minute of practice Well, Hey, here's a quote I'm going to share with you guys. Here, here's a story I'm going to tell you. Um, and I'm going to give the coaches four things that they can do. How about that? Four simple, if you just master these four mental drills, you can, you can have them spread out throughout the course of the week during practice. You can, you know, talk about these things in the off season, but really it's four, four steps. I call this the four minute mental workout or the ha method. So the first step TJ is just breathing. If we can just train our mind, our body to notice when our, our breath, our heart rate is spiked, it's, it's rapid. That signals fight, fight, freeze, hide. You get anxiety, anxious. So fear is a physical response to a mental threat. So breath work at a foundational level, TJ, is going to just signal our body, hey, I'm not in danger. That slow exhale signals your subconscious, there's no threat, I'm not in danger. And just finding your breath, doing a quick body scan, and just practicing being still. Most kids, when they have a free moment, TJ, they're grabbing their phone. And they're seeking likes, comments, videos. So we know that the most optimal state we can be in as athletes is flow. And flow means being in the zone. We're not judging good or bad. We're completely present. So let's just, how about this? Every Monday, coaches, every Monday, watch this. We're going to breathe for one minute. We're going to find our breath. We're going to put our hand on our belly. Let's start low and wide, all the way to the top. You know, there are four parts of the breath. You know, the inhale, hold, the, the, the exhale, and then the hold. So just let's just find our breath. That's step number one. And then I go through the H, A, uh, the, I call this the ha method. So the H is I have, so gratitude. What if, TJ, on Tuesdays we did one minute to reflect on gratitude? There's so much science on what happens to your body, what happens to your mind when you focus on what you have, not not what you don't have. Focus on who you are, not who you aren't. With stress, hey, gratitude boosts your immune system. So what if uh, then on Wednesdays, the A is is I am. So for, for affirmations, what if we practice, as you mentioned in the pre-call, feeding the good wolf? We have two wolves in our mind. This bad wolf that says things you're not good enough, you don't have what it takes. This good wolf says, I got this, why not me? So who wins? is the one that you feed. And we know that what you say to yourself, TJ, is 10 times more powerful than what anyone can say to you. So let's practice positive self-talk. And then the last one that I will is to visualize, so maybe on Thursdays, on, 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 on Thursdays you close your eyes, I will, and you visualize the performance that you want. 
you replay you know your practices and games when you're crushing it to get into that that like priming and to let your your subconscious see and, and feel these movements and you put your mind hey we're going to this stadium or this arena this field i'm going to see myself the opponent what i'm wearing i'm going to dress rehearse greatness your brain cannot tell the difference between a real and an imagined event so so phelps you know he's probably the greatest athlete of all time all his medals he would spend 30 minutes doing this like like visualizing what he wants. I can give you a million examples on, on what this does. And maybe on Friday. We see Russell Wilson today with a performance yeah. or mental mindset coach and Trevor Moad. And yeah, we've, we're seeing this far more often uh, today. Trevor. And then if it's Tom Brady, if it's Curry, Steph Curry, like they, they all have some type of like primers or, or routines when they're, they're visualizing. And then maybe Fridays, you put all those four, four together. Let's breathe for a minute. I, I have gratitude for a minute. I am affirmation for a minute. And I will. And you're going to visualize what you want for a minute. So that's a long answer, but I just want to just let's simplify this and just make it normal and say, just like you'd go to the gym and there's different muscle groups you're going to train. We're going to train, you know, our, our quads, our, our core, our delts, our lats. Well, well, these are four mental muscle groups you're going to train, staying present with breath, having optimism and gratitude, you know, productive self-talk and, or language, what we say out loud, and then to visualize the things that we want because fear and faith are almost the exact same thing, but this what if fear is what, what if I fail, you know, where what if what if I have success, that's faith. And I'm just going to trust in my preparation, in my uh, training. This, this is one of the reasons that one of the many reasons I was so excited to talk to you is because you take all these things that, you know, for so many people, it's just like a philosophical idea. Like, yeah, it sounds great. Let's focus on mindset training. But you offer so many of these great practical steps for how you can how you can incorporate that on a Monday, a Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday in your practice plans. But one of the things that I'm curious to hear from you is what I've heard you talk about before is how when you played, you feared failure. How did you handle that when you were playing when you didn't have these practical ideas that you're talking about now? How did how did you personally cope with some of that? I, I didn't cope. It was it was horrible. It was a struggle. I mean, playing at WSU, I mean, I'm on a, a scholarship and I have friends and I could travel the country playing two sports, starting in two sports. I mean, it was amazing from, from that lens. But I remember like I would just dominate practice, dude, like it's a spring ball in football or in baseball in like preseason, like because I put so much emphasis on the outcome of the game. I would get my validation and my worth from how many catches, how many hits, my average. So I didn't have this ability to like step away and say, I'm not defined by this result. I'm more than an athlete. Every chance that I get to play is a chance to grow. A chance to, to, to get better. So I had what I, I call a prove mindset. I was trying to prove my worth. Every competition, TJ, was a matter of, of like life and death because I got my whole my worth, my validation. If I had success, I was worthy. If I failed, I was worthless. And I'm sure a lot of listeners can like, yeah, that kind of feels like me. If I do well, like I'm happy. If I don't do well, like I'm like worthless, you know, I suck and all these things. You know, so we want to train our, our mind is to have an improved mindset. And let's just be present. Let's let's get after it. let's be a great teammate. Let's let's transition what we did from practice into games. And I think part of the reason why I didn't do well in some of some of those environments is my practice habits were not good. I would just treat practice, oh, this is practice, this this doesn't really, this doesn't count. So what I tell athletes that I, I work with, I was like, when you're by yourself. Make practice by yourself harder than practice with your team. When you're with your team, make practice harder than games and have some type of a risk involved. Have some type of a threat. 
if you don't execute, you gotta, you know, you mentioned burpees earlier, or you gotta run a foul pull, or you gotta do something, or, or put yourself in these environments where, man, I, I feel a little, little doubt, little risk, you know. So when you're in these moments, we can treat them the same. So if I ask you about clutch, TJ, maybe give, give me your wording on on that uh, word, clutch. If you were to define clutch. I would, I would say clutch is the ability to perform at your best in the most anxiety-riddled moments of an event. Okay. Well, how about this? Clutch is doing what you would normally can do when it matters most. Emphasize normally do. So, so part of what I say is, hey, guys, let, let's just be average today. And some coach like, what are you talking about? Yeah, let's just, let's just be like who we are. Like, we don't have to play above our ability and our, our uh, training. You don't rise to the occasion, you fall to your, to your training. So let's just be ourselves today. They play to beat us, we play to be us. So why are we putting so much emphasis on the game and the outcome? This is just a practice, this whole thing. Like in yoga, this is my yoga practice. This sport I'm playing is my practice. It's my passion, it's my love. I'm out to find, I'm gonna be obsessed in love if it's by myself, that moment is the most important moment. In practice, that moment is the most important moment. During game time, crunch time, I'm going to treat these the same because it's just me being out here. Hey, is this performance a have to or is this a get to? Let's have an improve mindset, not a prove mindset. And that's where, you know, coaches and parents, let's validate effort let's 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 give you know praise on the process let's give you know praise and validation on you know you know trying new things being being there for your the, the, your guys or whether you're you know the players on your team you know so that's where i struggled and that's why i am here let's talk about this though if you if you knew what you know now about mindset training and these different exercises you can do and ways you can train yourself just like you would in in skill or in strength how would that have affected your own playing career and how would you have handled your own failures and your own anxieties? I remember you, you, I remember hearing you speak about how you were praying that it would rain on game on days that you were playing a game, or you would hope then pray that the umpires weren't going to show up or their team wasn't going to show up. And that's, that's a lot of anxiety. If you knew what you knew now, how, how would you have handled some of the things and how might your playing career have been different? Yeah. I, I think just knowing what the brain is doing. So, so 80% of human thoughts are negative, TJ. So listeners, watch this. Four out of five of your thoughts are negative, and that's how the brain is wired. So just recognizing when what I call your internal critic, or your internal judge, just having the awareness on stepping back, that's not the real me. That's my ancient brain that's trying to say, stay safe, don't put yourself out there, don't, you might fail, people might not like you. There's real fear and there's fake fear. And the body reacts the exact same way. TJ, when you see like a lion or a tiger or a cougar or a mountain lion or whatever in your backyard or a, a bear, we live in the woods out here, so we see some crazy animals, your, your body reacts the same way as if you're in a social environment where you feel threat. Like, they might not like me. You know, I might mess up. What if this game's on, on national television? What if I drop this? This, this punt so it produces the same signals so just recognizing is this real fear is this is this fake fear but having a game plan for how i would speak to myself and then carving out my uh, week there there's so many i bet listeners athletes coaches you know how much time do you waste each day each week 
So having systems in place where I would take uh, a, this notebook and I would I would journal, you know, for a few minutes, you know, each morning. Um, I would, you know, close my eyes and visualize things that I wanted. You know, I would I would recognize that, you know, um, just to just to not take myself so so seriously and to have fun. And um, but did I would say I would give myself just like you would I said in the opening of, of the call you can train your body your craft your mind look at your your daily schedule and carve out time just like with the coaches some different drills you can do and 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 just map out okay we're gonna maximize every single hour you know and I was just so uptight and so serious and I would say bro just like chill out dude you know. You I mean you talked about this a little bit earlier about how, especially during the pandemic, we're seeing so many spikes in kids with anxiety and depression, especially with social distancing going on and being isolated. And I mean, we live in a world that's more connected than ever, but we live in a world that's also more depressed and anxious, it seems, than ever, despite us being so connected virtually. But to you, what would you say is the number one cause of kids being anxious and having uh, mental issues, especially when it comes to pertains to sports well i would say this let me just 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 say this like it, it's, it's been hard i want to just acknowledge that like is this has been challenging like i can't imagine you know being having practices delayed and games delayed and i'm trying to get a scholarship I'm trying to get recruited and you know i don't have tape out there to see i don't have you know things for or just the the memories of going to to, to, to prom and school dances and just like the whole uh everything about being a, an athlete in high school um, but I would say that the number one thing that is not talked about enough and it's trauma and how our body is hardwired, our brain is hardwired is I think parents are not getting enough training on this. So our makeup mentally, emotionally is shaped by three things, TJ, trauma, drama, daddy, and mama. So our first three years, you know, your brain is just like it is being shaped. It's being molded. And then when we're until we're in our like our teens, our late teens, like your brain is just processing all this information, but it lets go of these these uh, these memories and things that aren't serving us. So it holds on to fear. It holds on to trauma. It holds on to doubt. So parents, I don't think you realize how much you are shaping your children on what they value, how they see themselves. And one of the things I like to say is, parents, how you speak to your kids becomes their self-talk. What you praise becomes what they praise. So I'm just going to get laser focused on because we haven't talked about it yet. You know, um, parents can be doing doing more, and I, we want our kids to be coachable and, and learn. And if I'm doing workshops with parents, sometimes I'll ask, you know, parents, how many coaches have your kids had throughout the last 10 years or five years or you know how many years? You know, 10, 100, 50. And I say, well, how many coaches have you had to be the best parent you can be? You know, so I think what is causing some of this anxiety is that we are emphasizing so much on worth on this sport or this game. Where if we can have a mental drill I do is let's outline your me wheel. Think about a wheel on a bike, right? And, and you are the middle of, the, of that wheel, but there's different spokes. So, so many parents in, you know, our culture with Instagram and all these things where we're posting stuff where your image is tied to one thing, being a performer. That's one spoke. 
So if there's a pothole or if there's a curb and you know we hit that or we hit you know sports is canceled delayed, our whole identity and our worth is tied to that one thing. Let's add some spokes to that wheel. I'm a student. I'm a I'm a sister. I'm a brother. You know I have a person of faith. I volunteer. I love music. So having a more well-rounded balance on how they see themselves. But I'm actually spinning this whole thing, TJ. I'm, I'm telling the athletes I work, the teams I work with, I was like, you know that you've had training for this your whole life, right? Like, you, you know, it's like you, you couldn't, if you put scientists together and they say, we're going to concoct like a great life teacher, we're going to simulate life, like adversity, you know, you know, hard work, challenge, change, you know, you're having a, a leader to take orders from, like you could not concoct a better training than, than being an athlete. So I said, well, imagine all the all your peers and your kids who have not had sports to have this like training to deal with adversity, to deal with change, to deal with, you know, frustration. You've had all these years to train your mind to be resilient. You've had all these years and you have teammates you can call. You have, you know, friends that you've done things with that you can reach out to. You may be having Zoom calls as a, as a, as a unit, as a group. Imagine all these kids don't have that background to withstand all of this change. So actually, you should be grateful. Because you've been trained for this moment. I love what you, you said earlier before the call, talking about how you're influenced with your own kids. You, know, you have five kids at home and you've been married. How long have you been married, do you wife? We've been married 10 years and we have five kids. Five kids, 10 years. I still don't know how you survive with a house like that. But uh, I have two kids of my own. And uh, you talked about how you like to tell your kids uh, Hendersons are helpers. And I tell my kids that Cotterells are kind. How do you, how do you get that? How do you emphasize that focus on that kind of mindset as opposed to an outcome-based mindset and how, how what would you recommend to parents and how they can focus on not on the outcome but on their kids effort and supporting them yeah well it's about it's about process it's about habits it's about these like again this this mindset work is like drills think of skill set we're going to do drills to improve a skill set we're going to do drills to condition a mindset so every morning we have breakfast, I ask our kids, you know, we, have, we do a drill, we do a game where I ask them, what makes you happy? What are you excited about for today? And everyone goes around the table and each person says one thing that they, they, they feel joy. And then when we count to three, we all say happy and we pound the table. So we are conditioning gratitude to start our day. And another drill we do at dinner is where we'll go around the table and everybody will give one person a statement where, hey, I like this about you, or you did this awesome today. And then they have to say one thing that, that they like about themselves. So we are practicing kindness and, you know, and, and using language as a tool. Words are a tool to help or to kill you. And then our, our slogan is Henderson's help. So, you know, I'll randomly say to our kids just randomly, kids, tell me what Henderson's do. And they're like, help. You know, so I, I ask them at the end of each day, they know at the end of each day when they're in bed, we read our books. We're all tucked in, and I ask them one question. Who did you help this day? And they know they're going to have to say, so they're looking to help people, or they know they're going to have to make something up. So, so wait, the question isn't how many, how many points did you score today in your basketball game? How many, how many no. hits did you have in your, in your baseball game today? Yeah, so most parents like, you know, how, how was your day? What did you learn at school? It's like, I just want to make this super simple. Who did you help? You know, like your sisters or your brother or mom or – you know, if you're playing, you know, at school or whatever it is, like, who did you help today? To me, that's just a simple question. And but I am also here's another drill that we do that we've seen for our parenting has been huge. 
we've tried everything. Like our kids aren't perfect. Our kids do crazy stuff, man. And uh, so you can yell at them and just say, why are you doing that? Or what we've noticed that works even better is catching our kids doing it right and praising the crap out of when they do something right. The other kids see that and that we've seen do a much a better job of, of changing a, a, a skill or a behavior or a habit by hearing that praise. Like, oh, well, I, well, they're like, I want to be praised too. So that's so awesome. I love it. I just, um, let's, let's, let's try to go back to tying this into, um, the sports realm too, because, and this question probably has to do with the idea of like normalizing mindset training and destigmatizing it. But do you find that there are just some of these coaches who just seem to be unwilling to give up the focus on that physical training and the time they spend on strategizing to giving more time to this mental, mental mindset training practices. And, and how do you try to respond to that with the coaches that, that you come across and making this more normal? Well, first of all, you have to give them like examples. It's like, so all these pro athletes, just name out names. Like they've all had a mindset coach or every, on the, these pro teams, they have like a specialist that that's like, you know, giving them guidance and training, just like you have a, a coach to teach you how to lift better, a coach to tell you how to eat better, a coach to tell you how to throw, kick, shoot, you know, whatever, better. There's coaches at these high levels that are teaching athletes how to think better. Like, this is actually normal. Like, this is like, this has been widespread. Now, at the high school level, you don't maybe have the resources or the budget right now, but that doesn't mean that you can't learn some of, some of these skills. So um, just to kind of teach them, and just to get kind of the buy-in is I'll ask this, this simple question. All right, coach, imagine it's late in the match. It's late in the game. Or if if your sport has to do like a race, like you have to pick one player to execute. Are you going to pick the player who is the biggest, the strongest, the fastest? Or are you going to pick the kid that is mentally tough, that's resilient, that's present, that's focused? Which one of those two, two players are you going to pick? They always pick which which one. I mean, you're a coach, TJ. Which one would uh, you pick? I want some resilience. For yeah. Sure. Who's most mentally tough? The one you can trust and count on. And and usually your best player is not the most gifted physically. It's the most who's like tough mentally. So it's like, well, what are you doing to train those skills? Do you hope that they're just tough mentally? Do you hope that they're present? Do you hope that they're focused? Do you hope that they have grit? Well, there's enough research out there. There's enough, you know, online courses. There's enough people like myself. If you Google, I mean, this is such a, a, a newer thing, but like it's more common than ever. If you just did like a, a search, a Google search, you can probably find or go on Instagram or Twitter. You can probably find somebody. And and so I would say, coaches, you should take the ownership. So when you have your, you know, off season, you know, hours, clock hours to to coach and to teach, this should be a priority. To go to seminars. You know, to, 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 to buy courses and to just build up your your um, your, your strategy, just like, you know, in basketball, hey, I'm going to learn how to run this offense. I'm going to learn how to run this defense. Like you do training on that. Well, learn how to talk about mindset. Learn how to like how to spot certain signals when kids are depressed and anxious. Learn and then, and, you know, and uh, direct them to the right people. But the wording we say is prehab, not rehab. There's some times we need rehab. But what if we proactively talked about some of these things where you would rep these every day and not just wait? It's kind of like if you have a game and you have like four months to get prepared, like your game's on on Friday night. So you wait, you do no lifting. You wait till that Friday to lift like four hours. You would never do that. So like you bring in one speaker one time to come talk about, you know, motivation or no, let's do this all year, you know? 
Now, I, I love that phrase prehab there because it connotates this this idea that that you can prepare for these things. Um, that it's not reactive; it's proactive, and you can prepare kids for for these kinds of situations. You're you're prehabbing them for it, and I I, I love that that term you use. And let's get let's go back to getting a little more practical about this though. So a coach has a, a two and a half hour practice they have. What percentage of that practice plan do you recommend that coaches ought to include to exercises related to mental mindset training? And how does that practically look as part of a practice plan that also includes all these drills they're doing and they got to prepare what's the defense looking like for the next game? We got to do our scout team D and all these sort of things. So they have strategy and they have drills and they have strength training. What percentage of that practice plan can practically um, be involved in mental mindset training? Yeah, I think you got you got you got then the warm up and then like post. So those are two simple ways. When you're like warming up, you're stretching and you're moving your body around. Like let's take one minute to breathe. Like I gave you simple four or five strategies you can do. I know I some coaches I've I've worked with or I've seen. Well, you know every the first three minutes of every practice they'll have like three minutes where they're, like they're going to share a quote, they're going to share a, a, a story, give an example, or have like a, a, a player share their story or they're going to have a, give their players chance to, to who, who's your like, hero what's a hardship you went you've gone through you know like just just carving out like five minutes to have these conversations and and we all know that 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 culture beats talent right so this mindset work is actually training culture too mm. it's getting your kids to get vulnerable it's getting you to get vulnerable it's getting you guys to, to, to share and and culture is this common language it's not just words on, on a wall or words on a website. It's like we've had this common language where we're, we're connected. So talking the mental game gets you connected. So pre like pre like physical post cool down. I think one of the biggest mistakes if I'm working with like a college team or high school team and I I'm, I'm, I watch practice is the coaches just talk for like 20 minutes. And they're not talking about anything. I was just going to say, does that look different than just the coach talking for 20 minutes before practice and then moving on? How, how does how does that apply into no, into that situation? No, but how many coaches? I mean, just do a quick a quick evaluation. You know, are you just talking to hear yourself talk? So if you can be more um, more focused on you know what you're going to share, just like with your practice plan, what what's three minutes? I'm going to be laser focused on on the the message today. Here's a, a mental drill. I've I've gone through Collins training, or I've went through some other seminars. I, I got these like drills. We're gonna we're gonna rep every single day. And one thing I think we need to train our kids is we want our kids to be resilient. That's probably the number one trait of greatness is how you t- respond to to change, to adversity, um, is during practice, have something bad happen, like on purpose. Do something to disrupt focus and give them the chance to practice being able to respond with you know your, your, your word where you reset, where you do a – you use your body to get back to the present moment. You have a, a visual cue on the court or the field to get your mind back to the present moment. And just practicing responding to this stuff. Do you hope your players respond well or do you train this? You know. And then we have these apps. There's the Calm app. There's the apps where you can practice mindfulness. One of the things I do is I have like like nine tracks where I recorded my voice to, to train confidence, to train gratitude, to, to train how to visualize, to, to train self-talk. So – when you're throughout your day, you got this amazing tool where you go to the weight room to get stronger. Well, your phone can help you go to that mind gym and listen to audios, listen to, to things to teach you how to stay present, to calm your breath, um, you know, guiding you through this like 
this self-talk, this powerful self-talk to, to, to prime your mindset, to guide you through mindfulness, to visualize the things that, that you want, or to like heal like, like trauma, to heal past pain and say, you aren't defined by that, just to practice, to letting go, to be free. So using your phone and using some of these things when you're not, you know, using your, your body to like, to lift, to run, you know? I feel like we could spend another three hours having you talk more about self-talk too. Uh, I feel like we haven't talked about that as much, but I wanted to, to maybe end on this one. Um, just amid the pandemic restrictions, uh, there were a lot of concerns, rightly so, about how kids' mental health suffer the most, like you mentioned. What recommendations do you have for coaches right now, especially as they handle the return of many of these kids to athletics, football coaches and volleyball coaches, especially and supposed to be getting other sports and uh, spring sports and winter sports starting back up too, and nobody's playing for a state championship. What, what recommendations do you have for coaches right now about navigating um, this time with kids' mental health? To me, it's so simple. Relationships win championships. Not a trophy, but the biggest win you can get is when, you know, five years from now or years, years from now, when, you know, that, that player is asking, you know, what coach has really shaped you as a person? And that kid says, says you as a coach, because, you know, if I'm doing a workshop, sometimes the coach will ask, you know, who is your favorite coach you've ever had? And I have them think about it and I'll ask, well, did you learn more about your sport or about life? So I think it's it, we're so naive to, to to think we need to be coaching them as as athletes. No, we got to be coaching them as people right now. And And, you know what their joys are you know what their fears are you know what they like you know what music they like you know what shows you know what they have siblings like are you getting to know all of your players do you have time with these zoom calls and when you're when you're uh, warming up one coach you know uh he was like i can't i don't have time to, to to connect like we i have my practice plan and we have x amount of time for practice and you know i'm like well do you guys like when you like at practice pre-practice you guys stretch you warm up I was like, yeah, well, how long is that? Well, like, he gave me some minute. Like, well, guess what? You can go around every single kid that week and spend five minutes checking in with your with your kids during that time. Or you can be doing Zoom calls. You break into small groups. And just getting to know your people as people, better people perform better. Happy people perform better. And as human beings, we crave this chemical called oxytocin. And oxytocin is that bonding uh, this feeling inside that I'm part of a tribe. There is trust. I am seen. I, I am heard. And the number one source of happiness backed by science, Harvard did a research on this. Do you know, TJ, backed by science, over 80 years of research, what's the number one sor- source that, that brings us like joy? You're going to put me on the spot here. I'm going to have to edit all these things out, by the way, because i got to make myself sound good here. I'll just edit in the right answers. But I'll say the number one makes it sound good thankfulness that's a good guess the number one source of happiness is connection so this is a call to action athletes coaches are you prioritizing people are you prioritizing getting to know your people are you having um systems and and meetups where you know the first few minutes of every virtual you know, meeting or Zoom call or practice or where you, you give your your kids and your coaches time to connect with their kids as people first. Colin Henderson, you can look at his website, thecolinhenderson.com. He's the CEO of Master Your Mindset. Highly recommend you check more um, of his content out. 
Colin, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Yeah, TJ, it's awesome. We're gonna end every you know any training I do, whether it's a video or a live event or a virtual event, is this: the body has limits, but the mind is limitless.